0: Welcome to Street Knowledge with Chris Graham. Welcome to the podcast. It is Monday. We're going to talk some NASCAR with Rod Mullins, and uh, we're going to recap uh, Talladega, the playoff race at Talladega on Sunday. Chase Elliott had been on the bubble after dominating the regular season. He won the regular season championship, Uh, got a much-needed win, and the first win by a playoff driver in these playoffs. And uh, Rod, uh, how did Elliott do it?
1: Um, uh, I guess a lot of patience more than anything else, Chris. I think there was a lot of patience with that. Um, obviously he had patience like a lot of the other drivers did too, uh, on Sunday afternoon at Talladega, because, you know, a lot of us were expecting a lot of wrecks. We only had one big major wreck that took place and Noah Gregson got, uh, kind of turned around. He was driving the 48 car for Alex Bowman, who was in playoff contention, but He had to step out this past weekend because of concussion-like symptoms. We'll talk a little bit more about that here a little later on. But, um, you know, here it was, the field, uh, Joey Logano, uh, Penske. The only car really out of the Penske stable that was a threat was Ryan Blaney, and he stayed in it most of the afternoon. But then you had Eric Jones coming up through there in the Petty GMS Chevrolet. Uh, You thought he was going to have a great day. Ross Chastain was another one you thought was going to have a great day, and they were going to probably pull off a win. But lo and behold, I think right there toward the very end of the race, Chase Elliott made a move that I think made a lot of the drivers in the NBC booth, especially Jeff Burton and Dale Earnhardt Jr., very jealous because he pulled off a move that I don't think – a lot of drivers could pull off. And when he did, he made the jump, the swerve to kind of go outside. And when he did, he just happened to catch it right at the right time. And it pushed him on through Eric Jones at that point kind of gave him a little bit of a tap, pushed him on through, and it gave him enough momentum to where he made it across the start finish line. So it was just a great race altogether. We didn't see the big one. The huge one as we are normally so accustomed to seeing. And we didn't hear a lot of things this time around about the uh, next generation car having problems this time around. We didn't hear a lot about the tire wear, except for Eric Jones's tire, I think, in the pits. They showed a little bit of wear on that one, uh, but he had been running on four tires there most of the time. Steve had uh, gave the comment and said, I think he ought to go with maybe right sides this last pit stop, and I think that's what they ended up doing. But, you know, we didn't hear a lot of complaints this time around. Good racing altogether. Kevin Harvick was in it there for a little while. He ran toward the front. We had a lot of names, 57 lead changes, as a matter of fact, in the race yesterday at Talladega. So it was an exciting race. Um, Chase Elliott obviously had a lot of fans there from Georgia and also from uh, North Alabama, they love Chase Elliott, and they were there. They said at least an estimate was fifty percent of the crowd was probably pro Chase Elliott for that race on Sunday. He punches his ticket to the
0: round of eight. There's still uh, seven spots to, to be had <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, as uh, as things move on from Talladega, um, and. Uh, b- Ryan Blaney leads the Uh yep. He's He's got the advantage now, if you want to say, Ross Chastain's in third, Denny Hamlin. Joey Logano finished 27th on Sunday. Kyle Larson uh, is sixth. Daniel mm-hmm. Suarez, Chase Briscoe. And then after that, uh, on the all- wrong side of the cutoff line, Austin Cindric, William Byron, Christopher Bell, and Alex Bowman. And you talked about the concussion issues. Alex Bowman, uh, that's uh, what kept him out of the car on Sunday.
1: Yeah, it's our second concussion of the season so far. The first, of course, being Kurt Busch. And we don't know when Kurt Busch is going to be returning to the car. And I think with, what, five, six races left to go, I don't think he's going to be back. I don't think he's going to be back this season. Um, Alex Bowman could be back. But, you know, uh, he had Noah Gregson uh, you know, drive the car for him on Sunday. He did an admirable job. Uh, he was driving the 48 Ally car, and he did a great job. Held it together even through that wreck. But Bowman said something was wrong after the wreck at Texas last week, and they played the audio, and they allowed the crew, the audience, and everybody else to hear it for the first time. It was the first time I heard it, and I knew something was wrong when he said, I just don't feel right. You know, he hit, he hit pretty hard. Uh, some people might say, well, he didn't hit that hard. You know, it's against that safer barrier. But you're talking about a car that is going 170, 180 miles an hour, and then when it makes contact with a, you know, sitting still object and particularly a wall, it doesn't matter how much styrofoam you're going to have up there. Something's got to absorb the impact. And that's what ended up happening this time around. And I saw one thing that kind of stands out with me. I don't know if all the, the chairs is maybe something I need to look at and check into it. But I don't think all the, the seats per, per se, the chairs, the seats, and the race cars are maybe equal for some reason. I don't, I don't know. There's just something that's not right there. I think when you get in one of those seats in a race car, it should be like a cocoon is what it should be. It should stabilize you. You should have foam all the way around you and stuff, except of course with your arms and things like that, but your torso, it should be able to hold you kind of in place and kind of hold you there just in case if you have some kind of you know contact with a wall or another car. Um, I didn't see that. I don't know. Maybe they've got. maybe they're doing some safety issue tests. I don't know what they're doing with it, but definitely a problem for Bowman this, uh, this past week. And Bowman said that he wasn't feeling right. And he stepped away. He walked away and Dale Earnhardt Jr. Who is, you know, he's been through this. He's, uh, time tested through this thing. He said, you know, there's more to it. There's more to driving a race car, uh, and then having a concussion. He says, if you have a concussion, uh, you know, you got to live with it for the rest of your life, it, depending on what the severity of it is, you know, and that's something that Kurt Busch is going to have to deal with. That's something that Alex Bowman's going to have to deal with. Uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. is still living with that to this day from the after effects of his concussions that forced him to take a step back from NASCAR racing. So yeah, we've got our second one, um, kind of calls into question too. It's, it's kind of coincidence too, that all this kind of takes place with the, uh, quarterback, the former Alabama quarterback at Miami with uh, the head injury and the concussion that he took, thought these helmets were safe. And, you know, and then that second hit that they showed the other night when the Bengals and his fingers just bent up in that, oh, uh, uh, that was just one of those things of like, you're trying to control something, but you can't control it. Your brain is just not sending the signals what it should. And uh, it, it, it just makes you want to pause for just a minute and just and think, you know what are these guys going through? Do we do we even fully understand at this point? We think we've got the problem solved, but yet, you know, they put the put the Miami quarterback back out on the field again. And said, oh, he's okay, no problem. But then I think they fired uh, fired the advisor or the medical advisor or somebody that gave him the go ahead to be able to do that. So, gosh, this is. It's a crazy thing, but it's just another one of the things in the evolution of sports, especially with football and also with NASCAR.
0: You know, I think I, I did a piece, I did a podcast with a, um, uh, a concussion researcher at the University of Virginia several months ago. Um, and um, one thing I learned from that was that treating concussions um, in, in, in the here and now, what we know about them now, mm-hmm. involves time. And yet you wonder, it made me think, when you started talking about, you know, Tua Tagovailoa and then his relation to the uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr., you know, now Alex Bowman, I wonder if if what we know now about concussions, uh, if it had been put into play when Dale Earnhardt Jr. was going through his issues, you know, he kept going back out on the track. Yeah, and and what we're what we've learned is, I mean, and, and I wonder now about Tua Tagovailoa. He was out there four days after suffering an obvious concussion. Right, playing, he got another concussion. They, what what everything you know now is multiple concussions in a short period of time can lead to those lifelong effects. But if you treat them right the first time, like Kurt Busch apparently, I mean, Kurt mm-hmm. Busch has been off the track for a while, but hopefully, long term, he'll be better because of the caution that they've shown but maybe Dale Earnhardt Jr could have had a longer career um if if it had been treated right we just didn't know a few years ago what yeah. we know now but man it does make you wonder you know and and we could have had a, a guy like Dale, Her- Dale Earnhardt Jr out there on the track a lot longer
1: well you know Dale Jr's kind of a, has has talked about this before it's affected it affected his mood it affected his overall just you know uh way of life the way things were of course he has to wear glasses now pretty much after that because uh, and Kurt Bush is having to wear glasses, even though he was with sunglasses, I think at the, uh, event that they had at Charlotte for, uh, painting the, uh, the pit wall pink down there for breast cancer survivors. Uh, he was down there and they, somebody asked him and he went into a little detail and he said, you know, I'm, I'm feeling better. It's a day by day thing. It's not something that's going to you know, heal itself overnight. And then he said, I'm in a situation too. He said, my vision is getting better. And that kind of dawned on me then at that point, his vision. Okay, well, you know, you've got to have vision to be out there on the track. How many of these NASCAR drivers, and yes, how many of these NFL quarterbacks, college football quarterbacks, have got out there before and they've been hit and they really didn't think anything of it, and then we have somebody like a coach or, you know, crew chief, whatever the case may have been, and just said, you're all right, shake it off, you know, be tough, be tough, shake it off and things. And you know when something's wrong, but then trying to tell somebody something's wrong, that's a little bit of the different story. And I think that Bowman did that on Sunday. I think that's the first thing he said to his crew chief. He said, look, uh, there's something not right here. I'm not right. And said, that's okay. You're done for the day. Don't worry about it. You're done for the day. And so they're taking it at least a step at a time with him also. Hopefully, we'll get an update on him probably either by probably tomorrow, kind of get an idea of how he's doing and how he's progressing. But I don't I don't expect to see him at the Roval this weekend, no doubt about it. But, uh, you know, I wonder if, if a lot of these things couldn't have been prevented in the first place.
0: Yeah, and of uh, course, back in the old days, I mean, even before we, you know, the last few years, um money incentives were there not money like a big money incentive. just being able to get out in your car the next week if you didn't finish a race maybe you wouldn't have enough money to run the next week or in football right you know they didn't they didn't make millions of dollars back in the 50s and 60s and 70s they had to get out there and play or they'd lose their job so you
1: know they had to you know and and i'm not neglecting baseball in this you know baseball has has had its share of you know some hits and pitches and you know batters being beamed and so forth and knocked to the ground um you know, it's it's this way in every sport. The one that I th- I think that's just clearly, it's crazy any way you look at it is hockey. Mm-hmm. Hockey's the one of where I think it could be prevented a lot of times if some of these hard headed hockey players wouldn't go around and you know use their head like a weapon, like they use their stick and everything when well, they. That's fight. football but, players too. That's yeah, football players too. You got that right. So I mean, it's it's open. It's open for a debate. Open for discussion. I think we've just got another uh, nail in the uh, – I, I wouldn't call it the The coffin hasn't been sealed yet, but we've got another nail that's going in the coffin right now on this thing about contact sports and different things with concussions that somebody out there is going to start waving the flag here and they're going to start saying, we need to get rid of these sports or we don't need to have them anymore. We can have them, but we've got to have the technology that goes with them to be able to understand – better what the human body can take and i you know it's the same thing with like dale earnhardt senior when he was on the track that time and then his neck i mean i'll never forget the description that they said if he had a hans device on he probably would have been saved he would not have been injured and all because his neck and but head went one way and the body went the other and it snapped it right there at the at the base of the skull and it's just it's like, well, you know, hindsight 2020, 20. you go back on it now and you say, wish we could have prevented that wish we could have stopped it. Yeah, but that's what we're learning from. That's, that's the way history is. I mean, we have to learn from history till we can try to hopefully undo things that's going to happen in the future. But, you know, if we keep on the same kind of attitude about ah, it's just a concussion, no big thing, just a bang on the head or something for somebody show him the video of uh, miami's quarterback again and those fingers that's that's what nerved me I think the other night because he was totally helpless he could not probably tell anybody what was going on or if he could he wasn't making any sense when he did that because the brain it just weird things happen to the brain when you have a concussion and and especially the one he had before and this one amplified on top of it it's so it's You're just asking for trouble.
0: You mentioned Charlotte and the Roval. It's coming up this weekend. It's the last race in the round of 12. So we'll get down to the round of eight or the uh, playoff field of eight after this weekend. Before we talk about that race, I wanted to get your thoughts. Um, I'm just coming across a story from a few days ago. Um, Retired boxer Floyd Mayweather is getting in the NASCAR business, and he's sponsoring a car, Connor Daly, uh, who ended the 2021 IndyCar season without a job. Uh, has put together a team with uh, with Floyd Mayweather that will be sponsored by Bit Nile Holdings, and they're going to run in, at the Roval next weekend or this coming weekend, I should say. So, um, you know, we've we've talked uh, this this year a lot, Rod, about you know the celebrities getting involved uh, mm-hmm. in in sponsoring NASCAR teams. Uh, certainly, Michael Jordan's been around for a while um pitbull i think is you know there's another one that comes to mind mm-hmm. but now money mayweather uh it, another another uh way for nascar to maybe expand its base of fans
1: yeah i think so i think it's great that mayweather's getting involved in this and he's got something to invest his money in other than you know maybe some frivolous thing that his manager throws out there at him and says, Oh, why don't you invest in this little ant farm? It's down the road from you or something like that. They're producing some worker ants like crazy. Yeah. You know, some of these guys don't know where their money needs to be put at. And I think in this case, they're starting out with an Xfinity team. They're kind of getting their feet wet with it, but Folks, you got to understand too. Another thing with it, it's an expensive proposition going into racing, and he's at least got some backers. That's kind of helping him out. That's all kind of pooling together with this sort of thing. Um, it's tough. It's tough to get in the in uh, Xfinity right now is tough because you don't have the same cars. You don't have the same kind of setup. the uh, The next generation car does not exist in the Xfinity series. They're still running the old stock car, if you want to call it that. And they're still running the old frames and everything else about it. Um, it may be, it might not be as expensive as it, as I'm trying to make it sound, but still it's an expensive proposition. And, you know, Pitbull has found out, uh, talking, you know, there of course, and getting involved with, uh, uh the guy with, uh, track house racing and what they've done there at track house, uh, Michael Jordan. It's been a little bit of a bumpy road for Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin along the way. Uh, and you can say it's also been a bumpy road for Joe Gibbs racing. I mean, Joe Gibbs has had a lot of success for years, and he's been immediately thought of. And I don't know if you remember it or not, Chris, but there was at one time Joe Gibbs' influence into the NFL and also back into the race team. Uh, we brought at least when I think Dale Jarrett was driving the car, he brought in different helmets every week in the fall when they were racing. You know, particular races. I even think going back to the summer, I think they would maybe like he would come out. If he was racing in a race, he would come out with a a Bengals helmet on exactly like one of the Bengals football helmets, or he'd have a Buccaneers helmet on, or he'd have somebody else. And I thought that was good for a time being, but now it seems like what was a friendly little handshake and getting along with the NFL now has suddenly turned a little bit sour. It's turned south, I think with this. And Joe Gibbs is not there to kind of bridge that gap. And uh, Joe Gibbs is, he's committed. He's already committed to the racing industry. And, you know, his coaching days are past him and so forth. But, uh, you know, they need more celebrities. I think it's going to kind of bring them into it. You know, here's what, here's another surprising one, too. Uh, the kid that used to be on, I um, can't remember the show right off, I think is Malcolm in the Middle, uh, Frankie Muniz. Okay, yeah, went, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's talking about getting his NASCAR license. He's talking about racing in NASCAR. So that brings a celebrity in that brings somebody in from the outside in. And, you know, he's raced in street races out in California, St. Petersburg and Florida, some different places. And he's not a bad driver, but he says, I think my next step is going to be, i I want to try NASCAR and see where I start at. And. Probably his chances, probably going with Arca at first and then kind of uh, getting his toes wet and then before the full um, uh, immersion down into the water and everything with, with cup racing. I think that's what's going to kind of give him his little bit of an edge if he gets gets one going into it.
0: So the Roval is Sunday at 2 p.m. on NBC, and uh, just looking at uh, recent winners, Kyle Larson is the defending race winner. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ryan Blaney won the first race. Chase Elliott, we just talked about, he won. He's already made his way into the round of eight, but he's a two-time race winner there uh, and won back-to-back in 19 and 20. So um, those are guys who have a history of success on the Roval. Um, what, what, what should we look for? This is another one. I mean, I love the way they do this. You, ha- you have your cutoffs. This is a cutoff mm-hmm. race. So you got one guy clinched. You got seven other – well, 11 other guys looking for seven spots. Um, should be an exciting race. If you thought
1: Bristol was going to be the pressure cooker for the cutoff race, uh, you forgot to include the Roval with this because the Roval is going to decide some people, their, you know, their future is whether or not they're going to make it into the playoffs. You know, I had the, I had the opportunity to cover the first two years of the Roval going down there. Ryan Blaney won on the last, gosh, on the last lap after Martin Truex Jr. and Jimmy Johnson tangled right there in one of the, uh, one of the turns. And then he went right on through. He was shocked as just about anybody else was shocked that he won that race. Then you got Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott turns around here. He goes last year of all places. He, or two years ago, he ran into the wall. He was trying to make the turn into turn one hammers the wall. And then they're, they're like, well, our chances are gone with this one, but there was little to no damage on his, on his Camaro. And then he rallied back to win the race. And I'll never forget my son who went with me on the trip and stuff. We went down there. He's got a picture of chase Elliott coming down out of one of the turns. And he's waving to him. He's got his hand out the window and stuff to some of the photographers that were there along the line. So that's always been a big uh, a big race for us. It's been a big race for my son because that was the second time he had ever been exposed to that Roval race. And, of course, you know, pandemic kind of prevented us from doing it. And then some other things has prevented us from doing it. But, you know, for this year, for the Roval, I think it's anybody's guess. Uh, Chase Elliott, you've got to give him a little bit of an edge because he has raced so well at the Roval before. Yes, he's had some mistakes and he's had some mess ups like he did in that second race of the the Roval's history. But, um, you know, I don't count Ryan Blaney out of this either. Ryan Blaney loves a road course. Kyle Larson loves a road course, uh, something like this. I mean, you got Ross Chastain, um, Denny Hamlin. He likes a road course when everybody else stays behind him or stays to the side of him and he can go and navigate them. And he doesn't have to worry li- about people like Ross Chastain or somebody shooting through the field and then coming back onto the track to join a little bit later on. So the Roval is going to be a challenge. Um, it's, It is one of these races that it's hard to predict. You kind of think that you've got somebody in mind that's going to win this race, that's going to run away with it, and then just like what happened in the first race down there. uh, Martin Truex and Jimmy Johnson, it was either one of those uh, for their race to win, and both of them got taken out. And then Ryan Blaney would just happen to be in the right place at the right time. Chase Elliott he managed to overcome a big mistake and he roared back to the beginning and back to the front of the race of the pack. Um, and that was a great thing too. You got to have some breaks. You got to have some breaks in this race. And when I'm talking about breaks, somebody's either going to have to pit somebody's going to either have to have some problems, doesn't navigate through the track, uh, the, the Roval as well as maybe they did on the last lap and you catch them with that one slip and one time that you catch them with that slip where they gassed or they braked or something else happened, you can shoot by them. You can use one of those straightaways or get him back on the track to kind of beat that person. So, hey, I don't even rule out Kyle Busch right now. I think Kyle Busch uh, ran the best yesterday. I think he's raced uh, since all the troubles began and the uh, thing about the uh, incident with uh, Joe Gibbs racing and then signing with Richard Childress I think he's going to rebound back, and, you know, I think he'd like to get one at Charlotte and especially get one for his own personal reasons more than anything else uh, to win that Roval race. So anybody's guess coming into this weekend, we might see a, another winner that's not in the playoffs. Um, who knows how it's going to go. It's, it's
0: been that kind of season so far. Sunday at 2 o'clock is the Roval race that will determine uh, the playoff field of eight. Uh, Up until then, uh, check out AugustaFreePress.com for NASCAR news and notes. And then, of course, Rod and I will get back together next Monday and break things down. Rod, as always, thank you for your time.
1: Yeah, appreciate it. We'll have lap lap coverage on Sunday too of the race, so we'll have that on Augusta Free Press on the Facebook page, Facebook, and you can follow right. along and and catch up with all the information there and stuff. So it's a, it's a great way to be able to be sitting somewhere and you can't watch it, you can't watch what's going on with the race. But at least you can find out in you know, certain laps and everything by the count, you can find out what's going on with it. But,
0: yeah, we'll have Rod, that on Sunday. Rod does a great job blogging during that on Facebook. So that's right. Good good pitch there. So 2 o'clock on Sunday. And uh, check out Augusta Free Press on Facebook on, online for the latest news. Thanks again, Rod. And we will talk to our fans and our listeners again next week.
1: All right. Thanks. Appreciate it.